This is Just the Right Book, and I'm Roxanne Cody of R.J. Julia Booksellers. Each week, I hope to bring to you the stories behind the books, talking with some of the very best contemporary nonfiction authors, the conversations you want to hear about the books you need to read. On on today's episode, we're going to take a whole different format. We've been doing this every year. Uh, we've been doing the Just the Right Book podcast now for almost four years. And what we try to do around now is talk about books to give as gifts. So I know you're going to be shocked about this, but I think books are the perfect a gift to give to everybody on your list. So we've got, you know, we've all got a pile of books in front of us uh, to come up with a lot, lot of great ideas. We're, and we're joined today by, uh, we have three guests. Uh, one is Lori Fazio, who's the uh, Chief Operating Officer at RJ Julia and uh, is the one who keeps the ship afloat. Andrew Brennan, who started working for us when he was in high school, then took a little detour and came back and is now our head buyer. And we have a special guest today, uh, and his name is Jack Mankiewicz. So he's a family friend. He's uh, one of my son's best friends. And so you think that that wouldn't be enough to have him on the show. But he's also a great reader, you know, the classic English major. But I, I've always listened to him over the years talk about a book with great insight. So I thought, well, what the hell? We'll have Jack on and talk about uh, the books that he likes. Plus, he represents, um, with all due respect to Andrew, Laurie, and myself, a different generation of reader uh, that might be fun to get his perspective. So... Uh, that's the format. We'll go through these uh, a little bit quickly, but you'll get an idea. And then uh, you'll be able to go to the RJ Julia website, and I'll talk more about that later uh, to see the whole list of books in case you're uh, listening to this while you're driving or running and can't write down all the titles. So uh, that's what we're going to do. And Andrew, why don't we start with your first suggestion? All right. So um, my first suggestion is uh, an author you've probably heard of. So David Sedaris has his new book out uh, this this fall. It is called The Best of Me. Um, it is uh, kind of his greatest hits. So I, I first heard about David Sedaris uh, many years ago in 1994 when my father for, first brought home his first book. He read it. He looked at me and he said, this guy is going to be really famous. This is the funniest book I've ever read. Uh, he was absolutely right, you know. And since then, David Sedaris has uh, gone on to really kind of create his own genre as far as these kind of autobiographical essays go. They're largely autobiographical, but the stories always always tend to address what's going on in the outside world um, and, and from a perspective that, that you haven't seen before. My father also really appreciated fun people who could be funny without being mean. And that's one of the greatest things about David Sedaris, I feel like. He's always trying to go outside of his comfort zone and talk to people that, that he's, you know, that he's not like. And it's never demeaning. And it's always funny. And he's always able to, to kind of find that, that, that nugget of truth. Um, this collection is the best of the best. It is the funniest of the funniest. My favorite David Sedaris stories actually always involve Christmas. He, uh, he, he does a lot of great Christmas stories. And, um, you know, so this is a book for people who both love David Sedaris and for people that don't know anything about him. I just sold mm-hmm. a copy, two copies to a woman downstairs. She was buying one for herself and one for a friend of hers. She had read everything that David Sedaris had ever written and still wanted this book. And she was getting it for a friend of hers who she knew hadn't read anything. Um, if you want to laugh and who doesn't this year, David Sedaris's greatest hits. It's called The Best of Me. All right, Andrew, thank you. And you know, uh, what I find is you read David Sedaris's books and really there's not much you get to laugh out loud about, but David Sedaris ma- manages to make that happen. So thank you. Thank you for that suggestion. Lore? Okay. So I've always enjoyed uh, being outside nature, hikes, walks, um, but I've never been on as many hikes 
ever before as I have been in the past year <laughs> and noticing things outside and, and, you know, different places that have the same um, surroundings, but uh, in different states even. And so this book, World of Wonders, uh, subtitle in praise of fireflies, whale sharks, and other astonishments by Amy, and I probably will butcher this, but Nizuka Matathil, um, she lived in a lot of places as, um, throughout her life. And what she realized is that when she was in a new place is that she could always find a way to become attached to the place or get to know the place by looking around at the landscape or um, you know, some of the things there. And so she decided to um, take certain things and tell us what it can bring you to. Um, and I feel like that's what I've been doing on all of my my hikes and walks over this year when you know there's not a whole lot else that we that we can do. And um, so for example, she says, what the peacock can do is remind you of a home you will run away from and run back to all your life. So she gives a little bit of, of humor, even though it's not obvious humor. The book is gorgeous. Um, the, the cover is is enough to to put it on your bookshelf. But inside, you know, learning about these different things and how it relates to yourself is, is really what drew me to it. So, Lore, is that a good book for someone like me who's not a naturally nature person? Will that make you think about nature more than you might? Um, yes, in some ways. It's, it's actually not so much about nature itself as to an object in nature that ties you to where you are. Mm -hmm. So it might not make you think about nature as a whole, but it might make you, when you're in an area, look around and realize what's important about that area that you're in. Yeah. Does that Say make sense? the title again, Laura. It's called World of Wonders, Amy Nezuka Matathil. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll have I've the now spelling of her name on the website. That's right. <laughs> um, all right, Jack. Uh, the first book I'm going to recommend is a contemporary one, which Roxanne uh, gave to me called Luster by Raven Leilani, which is about a young black woman named Edie, your sort of classic disaffected millennial navigating her way through work and a relationship with a man in his 40s, which somehow ends up with her living in his house with his wife in some weird uh, open marriage relationship. Uh, which is very uh, offbeat and interesting. What I really like about this book is that it sort of falls into this mini genre I found of really sardonic, disaffected millennial narrators who are super cynical about the world, also very self-sabotaging and sort of, you know, find it hard to navigate the artificiality of our current culture and sort of can see through it, but don't really know how to be in it. Uh, but what I really liked about this one is some of those other books, some, some things I'm thinking of are Year of Resting and Relaxation by Otessa Moshbeg and this other book called The New Me by Hallie Butler. Those books are kind of pure comedies where the narrator is just so cynical and, and so over the top in their... Um, their irony that you sort of become detached from the narrative and you don't really get emotionally involved. And what's amazing about Luster is like, she creates that voice, but then she sort of uses it as a way into much more serious issues on race and gender. And she, in these other books, they sort of back away from this intense emotional stuff. And I find that Raven Leilani sort of uses her humor to face it head on. There's one sentence that I think sort of captures it where she says, there are times I interact with kids and recall my abortion fondly, <laughs> which is obviously very funny. And in some of these other books, that might just be a throwaway line, but she actually uses it as sort of a way in to mm -hmm. talk about her abortion, talk about the serious stuff she's gone through. So what I really loved about Luster is it is this sort of portrait of millennial life, but it's also this emotionally deep, intense portrait of, you know, a real person that gets in also these things about race and gender that usually you don't get as much. Mm. And the humor makes it more disturbing sometimes. And I find the disturbing parts make it more funny. And I love how she balances those two things. All right. That's great. 
So I had read that book and had a totally different reaction, but that's the difference between a 30-year-old man reading the book and a 71-year-old woman. So that's a very helpful uh, perspective. Today's episode of Just the Right Book is presented by Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company that makes eating well, easy, and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. Exactly what you need to start the new year right. Green Chef lets you choose from a wide array of easy-to-follow recipes, perfect for keto, paleo, and plant-based diets, or even if you just want to eat healthier. Recipes are quick and easy, with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. Everything is hand-picked, featuring the organic veggies and high-quality proteins you want delivered to your door contact-free. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped, which is perfect for someone like us at Just the Right Book who are busy all the time. Green Chef's expert chefs design flavorful recipes for your lifestyle that go way beyond the ordinary. Green Chef has a diverse array of meal plans with plenty of options to choose from each week. The ingredients are seasonally sourced for peak freshness and delivered to your doorstep. What's fantastic about Green Chef is that it allows us to skip the grocery shopping and save money by reducing food waste. And eating plant-based has always proven to lower risk of high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease. With Green Chef, it's easy to eat well and discover new recipes each week that everyone will enjoy. You can switch up your meal plan whenever you're ready to try a new way to eat. With Green Chef's wide variety of high-quality, clean ingredients, you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every single box. Green Chef makes staying healthier and on track easier than ever before with satisfying home-cooked meals. Green Chef makes cooking easy with options that work around any lifestyle, not the other way around. The best part, you can let Green Chef do the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep for you week after week. Each recipe includes some pre-chopped ingredients, pre-made sauces, dressings, and spices, so you can get more flavor in less time. For us here at Just the Right Book, is just being able to save time on busy weeknights, especially with juggling many different jobs and roles and relationships. Just knowing what's going to be on the table instead of spending minutes, even hours, trying to figure out what I'm going to have on the table each night is just a blessing. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh to offer a wide array of meal plans to choose from. There's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands for when my taste change or when I want to eat a little differently one month. Now Just the Right Book listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with us. So go to greenchef.com, Just the Right Book 80, and use the code Just the Right Book 80 to get $80 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com, Just the Right Book 80. Now back to the show. So I'm going to cover three biographies quickly. Um, They have uh, two things in common. One is they're big, uh, multi-paged books that are uh, perfect, I think, for the fact that we're going to be hibernating uh, at least for another few months. The other thing they all have in common is the... Um, subjects of the biography that have been covered lots of times are covered by each of these authors in an entirely different way in that each of them have been charactered and this gives a multi-dimensional view of them. So the first one I'm going to talk about is called The Dead Are Arising, The Life of Malcolm X. And it's written by Les Payne, um, who sadly uh, passed away before he finished it. And his daughter, Tamara Payne, helped him finish it. But Les Payne is a Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalist. He spent 30 years working on this book, interviewing as many people uh, that knew Malcolm X firsthand, plus obviously everything we know. But What this book does is go into the kind of detail that I think we, you know, we pick up snippets of who we think Malcolm X was without really 
an in-depth understanding of his relationship with the nation of Islam and how he felt about race and how he thought it ought to be solved and his relationship with his family and Martin Luther King and the other leaders of his time. And then obviously the shocking early assassination of Malcolm X. So uh, for anybody even remotely curious, I would highly recommend this book. And then the other biography is a biography of Eleanor Roosevelt. And I think I've read every biography of Eleanor Roosevelt. And she's one of the women that I and millions of others have incredible admiration for. A lot of the previous biographies of her either cover her political role or they don't wanna go into the issues of her sexuality or they don't wanna talk about her relationship with uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And what David Michaels does in this biography is covers it all. And you end up with a fabulous, full-bodied understanding of this extraordinary woman who even as of today was first lady longer than anybody and probably will be first lady longer than anybody because Franklin Delano Roosevelt had a third term, um, which is uh, not possible anymore. The third biography is called The Luckiest Man, Life with John McCain, and it's by Mark Salter. Um, I also did a podcast interview uh, with Mark this year. Mark had been uh, John McCain's chief of staff, uh, had co-authored all the books uh, that he uh, that he and uh, John McCain did. And what this book does is really give you a bird's eye view uh, to a, at this point, legendary person. I read an article the other day that was talking about John McCain's concession speech because uh, that's a topic in the news now. And Mark had written that. And uh, the, the, the journalist writing the piece described that concession speech as uh, Churchillian that is unmatched uh, in the history of concession speeches. That kind of view and understanding of John McCain and history and politics is exactly what Mark brings to this uh, biography. So whether you're interested in politics or history or just the life story of an extraordinary man, it's, it's just a fabulous, um, biography to get. And if you want to give a really great gift to somebody, you'd give them all three of these books, uh, which will keep you busy until the vaccine is fully available. Um, and with that, Andrew, how about another book? I'm going to talk about The Neil Gaiman Reader by Neil Gaiman. Um, he is one of the most diverse writers in the world, which is why it is really great to have this collection from him. The, 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 the collection, it excerpts five of his novels, all five of his novels, but what it really does is it focuses on, on his short stories. There was a huge vote among his fans to, to pick out these short stories. Um, giving fiction as a gift at the holidays has always been kind of a, kind of a tricky subject to me, as tastes can, can be really specific. The reason I really like this particular book, I feel like any fiction reader is gonna love it. Um, I, I, I'm gonna let Gaiman explain a little bit. This is a quote. I love being a writer. There aren't any rules. There aren't even any guardrails. I can write funny things and sad things, big stories and small. I can write to make you happy or write to chill your blood. Gaiman really does have something for everybody. He's, uh, you know, I, I would, maybe put him in kind of a, a, a fantasy bent, but really um, any, any fiction fan is, is going to appreciate Neil Gaiman. Um, and this is also a great gift for his millions and millions of fans that are already out there. Again, so Andrew, this is, yes. That reminds me of a story. So Neil Gaiman was, as you recall, at the store. And we had probably one of the longest signing lines that we've ever had. I, there were over 1,500 people. So we had Neil inside uh, signing. And this woman comes up to the signing table and picks up her skirt, um, like to the very top of her thigh. 
and shows Neil Gaiman a tattoo that she had done that filled her thigh from her knee to the top of her thigh that was a picture of Neil Gaiman's face. Now, I don't think there's probably much that can flabbergast Neil Gaiman, but even he had to sort of gather himself to think about a response to this like uber fan <laughs> that had yeah. this tattoo. Yeah, he's a, he's a rock star writer and he's got rabid fans. And if you don't know why, this is this book is maybe the best place to start because it's got a little bit of everything in there. Neil, uh, Andrew, tell us the title again. It, this is the Neil Gaiman Reader. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Laura. Okay. As long as I can remember, I have loved reading Christmas stories. And uh, I used to have a collection when I was a kid. And I, my parents, I've been, you know, haunting them, asking where it could possibly be. Um, but, you know, it's probably long gone at this point. So I was really excited when um, this book came out, The Penguin Book of Christmas Stories from Hans Christian Andersen to Angela Carter. Uh, because it is exactly what I used to um, like dive into when I was younger. And so there are all, I, I mean, again, Hans Christian Andersen is in here. You've got um, Dostoevsky. You've got um, Dorothy Sayers. You have Truman Capote in here. You've got Ray Bradbury, so, and, and more. And they're all stories about Christmas. And the Truman Capote one is called The Christmas Memory. And even just the first paragraph kind of made me like, like tingle a little bit because you just, you know you're reading Truman Capote, but you also know you're gonna get this great Christmas story, even though there's no hints of Christmas in the first paragraph at all. Um, so it's a great book. It's got, I haven't, I haven't read them all, um, but I'm very excited to dive into all of them. And again, it's called The Penguin Book of Christmas Stories from Hans Christian Andersen to Angela Carter. Well, and I think, Laura, you know, what's cool about that book is a lot of people who are not going to be able to get together for Christmas are trying to think of, uh, of a construct around which to gather. So it's not merely everybody around the table sort of interrupting each other. Um, and so a book like this feels like the perfect um, choice where you could pick the kind of story that's good for everybody. Uh, so one thing that the pandemic has done is uh, people are cooking more. They're, they're not eating out. Uh, even people like me who don't cook uh, are cooking, but the pandemic is going on uh, obviously too long and you know we're not cooking bread anymore and we're not trying the recipes as much that take 87 hours um so there i have two perfect suggestions from two of my favorite uh, chefs one is ina garten's new book called modern comfort food and jacques pepin's new book called quick and simple and Jacques' book is a um, redo of a book that I have literally dog-eared called uh, The Shortcut Cook. What both these books do and both of these chefs do is you don't need to be a chef to turn out their great meals. The ingredients are not ingredients that you would really have to travel to Thailand uh, to find you. Jacques, uh, particularly focuses on using stuff that you've got in your house. And Jacques got this fantastic warm potato salad um, that I've always loved. And he, I know this sounds a little bit weird, but he's got a penne with mushroom and nuts that is incredibly great. And so both of these books are perfect for you know, we're now, we want to be able to get dinner done in like 30 minutes or 45 minutes with easy shopping. And both of these books do that. The other thing we've been doing more of during the pandemic, according to all the studies, is drinking. Um, I think her sales, wine sales, um, 
I, I read somewhere that during election night, the most Googled term was nearest liquor store. Um, so one book uh, that I found in the bookstore that I thought was so fun is called Winter Cocktails. And it's mold ciders, hot toddies, punches, pitchers, and cocktail party snacks, even better. And uh, for instance, one of the ones that I liked um, called What a Tart. Uh, Jack's mom is brilliant at specialty cocktails, Katie. And this one has grated ginger, uh, grated uh, zest of lemon, a ground cinnamon, uh, cider, applejack. So I don't even like cocktails, but I, I want to make this one and try it. And there's a ton of great recipes. So it's a fun way to sort of um, experiment a little bit and not just be drinking white wine or rosé or just taking the bottle of scotch straight. So uh, those are Ina Garten's Modern Comfort Food, Jacques Pepin, Quick and Simple, and Winter Cocktails. Jack? Um, to go from cocktails, which my mom is an expert in making and drinking, <laughs> uh, to science fiction. My next book is a classic, uh, Dune by Frank Herbert. Uh, I decided to read this because there was uh, supposed to be a movie coming out of it starring uh, the one and only Timothy Chalamet, but they moved it to either late 2021 or 2022, and I couldn't really wait that long. So uh, I picked it up, and uh, Dune is uh, about a royal family who moves from one really great, beautiful planet with oceans and, and forests to a really forbidding and difficult desert planet called Arrakis, uh, where they're going to try to rule and sort of establish this new dynasty and it's really about uh, Paul, the son, the Timothy Chalamet character, who goes on your pretty classic hero's journey where he's supposedly a messiah and has to fulfill this great destiny. Uh, and what's really special about Dune, uh, one, it's a total page turner. It's very thought provoking. But what's sort of amazing and why it's maybe the the science fiction book in the way that Lord of the Rings is the fantasy book is that it is so uh, richly and vividly imagined. You step into it and it really feels like you're stepping into a real world that at first feels very alien and very sort of unique and different, but you also sort of realize there's a lot of echoes of our world. It was written sort of like as an ecological response to issues Frank Herbert saw uh, in the 60s. And a lot of it is about this planet where there's no water and people are fighting wars over it, which feels pretty relevant to our times. Uh, and so it's this great uh, environment that you sort of step into and, and really get engrossed in, but it's also a total page turner that you can't really put down. Mm. So Jack, if I'm not a science fiction reader. Is this a book that I would pick up as a way of experimenting with science fiction? Uh, I would say absolutely. I'm not a huge science fiction guy, but I would say one, the sort of resonant themes with our world, the sort of global warming ecological themes make it, you know, sort of applicable to anyone. And also it's just really well written. And sometimes I've read other sort of fantasy and science fiction where the world of sci-fi and fantasy sort of infects the writing it's very overwrought and you mm -hmm. say like her love was like a dragon's breath or something <laughs> and frank herbert writes in sort of a spare economic not raymond chandler style but he sort of he has a story he has to tell and he doesn't really you know let the writing take over he, he knows what he's doing and and it's sort of an easy entryway for people who aren't into it and you know a Harry Potter fan for example I think would really love this it's sort of a more adult but still just as immersive and engrossing world I've only read one but there are at least five and I think some auxiliary novels as well so it's a good one all right thank you I, so I, I'm, I'm I'm learning about books that I'm gonna want to buy and, and read Andrew how about what else do you have 
Okay, so I've got a really practical book for us now. Um, this is called Stories Curious Compendium of Practical and Obscure Skills. Um, story publishing has been making the best how-to books uh, in, in America for, for, for decades, right? Everything you can imagine how-to. For this book, they've pulled together content from deep in their library to make this unbelievable compilation of skills. Have you been staying at home a lot lately? Have you been doing a lot of home repairs? Have you been making more things for yourself? <laughs> this is the perfect book. You know, it's, it's unique and helpful illustrations help everyone to do everything from age nine to 90. I know when I was a kid, I really would have loved this book. Um, even though it's kind of designed for adults, it's really good for anybody. Um, you can grow your own food, craft and mend your own clothes, forage for wild food, carve a wooden spoon, make your own shaving cream, weave a paper basket, turn your kitchen into a fermentation lab. So, you know, this is, this is years of research and, and, and great publishing all put together in this one book. It's fantastic. Everybody should have it. And it, again, it is called Stories Curious Compendium of Practical and Obscure Skills. Is there an index, Andrew, so you can like look up skills or a Yes, there is. Content? The index is one, two, three, four pages. And I would say there's probably 50 things on each page. I mean, there's got to be three or 400 skills in this book. How fun. It's great. You're listening to Just the Right Book, and I'm Roxanne Cody, and this is our annual special uh, show that we do, where I'm joined by Andrew Brennan and Lori Fazio from RJ Julia's, and today we had a special guest, Jack Mankiewicz, uh, who's a family friend and one of uh, my son Edward's closest friends, and what we did was we you know, plowed through all the books that are out there, um, some old, some new, to come up with a book that would be good for anybody and everybody on your list. Um, you know, we cover science fiction and history and humor and nature and fiction. So I really want to thank uh, our guests, Andrew, Lori, and Jack for helping us come up with these uh, books. And hopefully you found something that you love. You could even buy yourself a book. Uh, the next set of books that I want to recommend uh, as gifts are all around uh, the issue of Black Lives Matter. One of the um, very satisfying um, byproducts of the Black Lives Matter movement is this enthusiasm and interest in the books that give all of us a much better understanding about the arc of racism and the history that is connected to it. So what I'm gonna do is recommend um, a few of them that I've, I've read a bunch, but I think these represent a kind of an interesting compilation. So obviously we talked earlier about the new biography of Malcolm X that has just won the National Book Award. So that's obviously one. One of my favorites from a very long time ago is a book called The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. And uh, he wrote this in 1963. And it basically has two essays. One is My Dungeon Shook, Letter to My Nephew on the 100th Anniversary of, our, of the Emancipation, and Down at the Cross, Letter from a Region of My Mind. For one, I'm a fanatical James Baldwin fan, but when I read this years and years ago, and I got a special edition of the book that came out a couple of years ago, you are, you, your brain is rearranged after you read these books and it creates an element, a beginning of understanding. And it would be great to read that or, or give it as a gift and couple it with a book that's gotten huge accolades this year and deserved accolades called 
begin again James Baldwin's America and its urgent lessons lessons for our own by Eddie S. Gloud uh, Jr. And I think the combination of reading what James Baldwin wrote then and then listening or reading Eddie Gloud's understanding of what was going on in America during that time is a very grounding way to understand racism in the, uh, not at this moment, but in the very near past, namely uh, the 50s and 60s, that is very, very enlightening. Uh, so that's Begin Again and The Fire Next Time. The other book I'd recommend is a book called Stamped, uh, subtitled Racism, Anti-Racism, and You. And this is technically the young adult version of Ibram Kendi's book that won the National Book Award last year. He and Jason Reynolds wrote this one. And even though it's labeled YA, um, so and it's great done, for and I want to read young adults, it's also um, a little piece that uh, is in the introduction that has stayed with me since I read the book earlier this year. And this is uh, uh, in the introduction from Imran Kendi. And an anti-racist anti America is sure to come. No power lasts forever. There will come a time when Americans will realize that the only wrong, the only thing wrong with black people is that they think something is wrong with black people. There will come a time when racist ideas will no longer obstruct us from seeing the complete and utter abnormality of racial disparities. There will come a time when we will love humanity, when we will gain the courage to fight for an equitable society for our beloved humanity, knowing intelligently that when we fight for humanity, we are fighting for ourselves. There will come a time Maybe, just maybe, that time is now. And then Jason uh, Reynolds and Ibram Kendi go on to put together an understanding of the history of racism and the definition of anti-racism. And what gives us the first baby steps of a roadmap to understand how any of us that are white need to begin to think about what these issues are and their grounding in centuries of racism. So that's another one I would highly recommend. Uh, the other book, which I had never read, and I actually just picked this up about a week ago, and I thought, how, how is it that I haven't read this before? because I became immersed and riveted on page one. And it's a book you've all heard of. Maybe a lot of you haven't read it. Uh, if you haven't read it, I urge you to read it. If you read it a long time ago, I would encourage you to read it again, give it as a gift. And it's, I know why the caged bird sings. And it's basically Maya Angelou's memoir that manages to be both joyous and painful, mysterious and memorable. And then the last two books that are very much in the news and have won awards and, and are getting a lot of attention are Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, which to me is like a must read. I would give that to anybody on your list that you think would be interested her Previous book, Warmth of Other Suns, is, um, was an instant classic when it came out a number of years ago. And then the last book I would mention in this category, which is a book you're hearing about that is being described as one of the best presidential memoirs ever written, is Barack Obama's uh, memoir, volume one memoir that just came out uh, November 17th. It's called Promised Land. And it's a reminder to all of us um, 
what we are capable of as a country. And uh, President Obama covers uh, the beginning of his presidency and he brings his general optimism and intellectual heft uh, to this memoir, which is why I think uh, the accolades it's received are apparent the minute you start reading the book. So that's a bunch of books around uh, the issue of Black Lives Matter and race, and they would you could give them all to somebody. It's a good little library of books that you might want to give or any one of them. So hopefully those will appeal to you. Laura? Okay. So we have uh, these great, what we call bundles at the store. And there's a bundle for anybody that you uh, want to give a gift to. So the one that I want to talk about is our self-care bundle. Um, because I think it's really important for us to be taking time to do these things um, during a pandemic and during the holidays and, and, then, and then some. Um, so this one, um, it's got three books in it, but we do have some of our bundles that have, you know, a book and a gift or, you know, just two books or, or whatnot. And they're wrapped for customers to just purchase and go. They don't have to worry about it. Um, the self-care bundle is comprised of three books, um, a little book of self-care sleep, harness the power of sleep for optimal health and well-being, breath work, use the power of breath to energize your body and focus your mind, and self-reiki, tune in to your life force to achieve harmony and balance. So each with it's, it's an adorable triplet of books. There's uh, like one's purple, blue, and yellow, and they all have a similar theme to them. And they just give lots of practical advice in there of, you know, different ways to, to take advantage of these things that we all need to, to do. And it's like I said, it's great that they're wrapped, they're ready to go. Um, if this isn't the right one for you, you, know, you can check out any of our other bundles. Um, but this is the self-care bundle. And it's sleep, breath work, and self reiki. I, I love the I love the way uh, Kelly uh, O'Sullivan, who's a merchandise manager at RJ Julia's, like spends all year thinking about what little books would be fun to put together, and she put together like thirty of them uh, for mm -hmm. us, and they're all fun in in different ways. Um, I'm gonna. Um, talk about two books by the same author. Um, her name is Dr. Edith Egger. And I had uh, interviewed her, I think that podcast aired a couple of, of weeks ago. Her first book uh, is called The Choice, Embrace the Possible. And her second book is called The Gift, 12 Lessons to Save Your Life. Uh, Dr. Egger is a uh, psychologist who specializes in um, people who have experienced trauma, which she too had uh, as a survivor of Auschwitz. And what she talks about is that it's, it's in many ways up to you how you choose to survive that kind of circumstance. And Lori Gottlieb, who, um, Actually, I had also interviewed on the podcast for her book called Maybe You Should uh, Talk to Someone. She wrote the review of The Choice in the New York Times, and I think she had this exactly right. I can't imagine a more important message for modern times. Eager's book is a triumph and should be read by all who care about both their inner freedom and the future of humanity. So not only is Dr. Eager's story riveting to read about, but you are reminded of what we are capable of surviving. And after she wrote The Choice, she was encouraged to write, and this, this, this diminishes the book in a way I don't mean to, but a how-to book, meaning 
How is it that you can manage not to imprison yourself with a set of um, qualities or habits that reduce the quality of your life? So her second book called The Gift, 12 Lessons to Save Your Life, um, also by Edith uh, Eager. And, you know, this is a book, these books are great for anybody who likes to read uh, memoirs, for people who like self-help books, but ultimately for people who would want to be inspired about what one human being is capable of with a reminder of how we can end up with a life that is more fulfilling. So I would highly recommend both these books. One is called The Choice and the other is called The Gift. Jack? Mm -hmm. uh, my third book is one you may have heard of, uh, Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. This book uh, for me falls into the category of books I was assigned in college and didn't read and then read later and realized <laughs> I had made a huge mistake uh, because they are amazing. East of Eden is another one of those. Um, but uh, Frankenstein, one, the story of how it was written, Mary Shelley was on a retreat in uh, Switzerland with Percy Shelley and Lord Byron, two other of the great uh, writers of British Romanticism, and they had a ghost story competition, and she came up with this. And it's the story of Victor Frankenstein, a medical student who becomes obsessed with the occult and creates a monster out of uh, cadavers. The monster is Frankenstein's monster, although most people just call him Frankenstein at this point. It's a really good name, and I think it's easier if we just call him Frankenstein. <laughs> um, but what really makes Frankenstein so amazing is it is simply just the most existentially deep monster story of all time. It works on so many levels. The first is, you know, man's hubris and the will to create without really considering the ramifications of that. But even more existential is the plight of Frankenstein, the monster, who is, you know, created without asking for it and then abandoned by his creator and has to figure it out. And uh, what's really, really amazing is the section where Frankenstein tells us his story, the monster, uh, for the first time. And... Uh, he talks about sort of not knowing what was going on, sort of just coming into existence. And then he uh, is living in this little hut and he sees this family who has books. And you sort of realize the story of Frankenstein is the story of a reader, uh, which is very pertinent to this podcast because he starts reading and he sort of makes him fall in love with the world it's hard for him at first, but he ends up reading every word of Paradise Lost and it becomes, you know, sort of his favorite book and sort of gives him the spark of like, I want to live a good life. I want to, you know, exist and pursue like these pleasures. It's not that simple for Frankenstein and doesn't really work out, but I think it's just so resonant with just being a person and wanting to live a good life and finding yourself in existence and just thinking, what do I do? And the way that we sort of relate to Frankenstein's plight, I just find so uh, moving. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Jack, because Frankenstein is one of my top 25 books of all time. And I think that people have a notion of what Frankenstein, the book is about, but really without understanding its breadth and depth, which I think you've helped us understand. So one of the things that I've been thinking about, and I think Frankenstein is a great choice for that. I think also Edith Eager's books. I've been thinking about friends or family um, doing book clubs in the coming year and putting together a group, like a cool gift would be. I, I, I've been thinking about this with like four or five people. Your mom and I were talking about putting together a book club with all ages and as a gift 
I was going to send out a book that I think would be a fun book to start with, like send each of these five people. And to me, a book like Frankenstein or The Choice would appeal to all ages, would have the ability to provide a conversation, not only around the text, but about philosophy or um, I read this term the other day, the uh, geography of the psychological of a character. And so I think not only is Frankenstein just a great gift to give any of any age, but I do think it's a fun way to think about starting a Zoom book club, even though we're sick of Zoom we are finding that it is fun as a way to connect with people and have a conversation that we might not. And what better way to start than with Frankenstein? <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up. All right, we're back to you, Andrew. All right. So I have the book for your uh, artist friend who's gonna be in their house all winter, which is gonna be most of us. Um, this book is called Open Studio, Do-It-Yourself Art Projects. This is by far one of the coolest art books I know of and definitely the best how-to art book I've ever seen. Um, in it, there are 17 world-renowned artists in this gorgeous book. Each of them takes us step-by-step through an art project that you can do at home. Marina Abramovich, William Wegman, George Kondo, George, uh, John Curran, just to name a few of the artists. If you haven't heard of these people, trust me, the art fans in your life know who they are and really, really respect these people. Um, this is world famous artists giving us instructions, guidance, and an, and an inner look at their studios and art making world. Printmaking, sculpture, photography, collage, painting, drawing, I mean, everything you can think of. And these are simple projects. These are projects that some of these types of things I used to do as a kid in art class, these can be accomplished by anyone. Um, my, my personal favorite is, um, is actually the project that, that painter Will Cotton suggests. Um, he, he's mostly like, like a figurative painter, but um, he designs the um, costumes or wardrobe for, for the people in all of his paintings. He likes to use candy a lot. And what he has done is he has gone through and shown us how to make the royal crown of Candyland, um, which is made out of like, like um, gold uh, candy wrapper paper, um, all made into this big gold band. And it's got, it's got hard candies and lollipops and rock candy all over it. It is the royal crown of Candyland and you can make your own at home. And Will Cotton's gonna teach you how to do it. So Andrew, how young can you be and this would be okay? Oh, I would, I, depending on the project, I would say 10. I mean, 10. There, are, there's, there are some things in here that are really just about kind of like how to properly make stencils. You know, some of them are simple. A lot of them have pull out pages. Um, yeah, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a 10 year old who's really into art, absolutely they would enjoy this book. And it would, and it would introduce them to some, to some major artists that maybe they don't know about. And it's a good family gift then, right? It is. I mean, this is, you know, it's it, it's a much higher end how-to art book than has ever been produced. And, and that's what's cool about it is that, um, you know, art fans in general are going to have interest in this book. It's a great family project book, especially for the winter. Um, the, the, the things you need to get are often included in the book or not hard to find. Um, it's great. It's unique. All right, Lore. I want the Candyland crown. I know. <laughs> I'm going to settle for talking about this next book, which is just as good, um, which also can be a family gift um, or a, a gift for, you know, a good, pretty good six-year-old reader up to, I would say, age, age 10. Um, so it's called Skunk and Badger. The author is Amy Timberlake. And then there's pictures in this by John Klassen, who I just love his artwork in general. Um, so Skunk and Badger is a book about 
badger who lives in this house and he gets a knock on the door one day and there's skunk all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed with his with his suitcase and he is moving in with badger much to badger's dismay because not only does badger not want a roommate at all but who wants a skunk for a roommate probably nobody um so skunk comes in turns badger's life upside down everything's a mess you know, he leaves things everywhere. He cooks things that Badger just doesn't care for. Um, but over time, Badger sees that Skunk really needs a friend. And he starts to like Skunk, and the two of them become fast friends. Um, so this is this is a great book to read together as a family um, because it you know, has a lot of little lessons in it. Um, and there's some humor in it, of course, and just the expressions on their faces, you know, is, is enough to, to create some great conversation. Um, but it's also, like I said, good for young readers, you know, up to age, you know, probably 10. Um, you know, the older, the older kids probably would, you know, read it with confidence, which is always great to do. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just adorable. It really is a really sweet book. So Skunk and Badger by Amy Timberlake. Great. Uh, so we only have a few minutes left. So we'll do a couple of, uh, we'll each do one or two books quickly um, to make sure we get all um, the titles in. So I'm going to mention two books, which uh, have nothing to do with each other, except I love them both. One is called Classic Mythology A to Z, an encyclopedia of gods, goddesses, heroes, and heroines. What I like about this book, I mean, if you're a mythology uh, aficionado, it's got all the breadth uh, that you'd want. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually rather dense. My interest in it is I, I never really studied mythology. And I feel like uh, we're always looking at references to different uh, gods and goddesses and I wanted to understand, okay, what was the story? What are they supposed to be uh, depicting? I mean, I looked up, uh, I was going to use the term Pandora's box, and I wanted to look up, like, who was Pandora? And I realized that Pandora was considered uh, evil because women were considered evil. So, like, I'm never going to use that term again. So uh, this is a perfect book uh, for people who want to, learn more or learn the first of what uh, they're going to know about it. And the second book I want to mention quickly is a book called Chasing Chopin uh, by Anique Lafarge. And uh, I had also interviewed her on the podcast. And this is great for a, a Chopin fan. It's great for people who love music. I did not know that much about Chopin. And I was fascinated uh, by his story. It got me listening to all his music, which I'm now addicted to. So uh, those are two books I would highly recommend, Classical Mythology, A to Z, and Chasing Chopin by Anique Lafarge. Andrew? All right. So the last book I'm going to talk about is maybe the funniest book of the year. It's also very smart literary. It's called A Wealth of Pigeons, and it is by Harry Bliss and Steve Martin. Yes, that's Steve Martin, actor and uh, comedian extraordinaire. So for years, both of them, uh, Bliss and Martin, have worked um, for, for The New Yorker, um, doing cover, uh, Harry Bliss does art, Steve Martin has been writing essays. Um, and uh, a while ago, they started to, to uh, collaborate on, on a one panel cartoon that they called Bliss. That day, the world got a whole lot funnier. Um, this is a collection of their absolutely best cartoons. Uh, I would say it's it's reminiscent of, uh, of, of, of The Far Side. It's got that kind of humor and all in one panel. Um, and I'll do what someone should never do, but I'm going to do it anyway, as I'm going to try to talk you through one cartoon. All right. I've tried to pick a simple one. Okay, so we're you've, ready. You've got, you've got a preacher um, at a megachurch in front of his whole congregation, right? It's one of those theater, theater style mega churches. And he's in front and, um, and the caption is this. And the Lord said, you know, 
it takes a ton of money to run a place like this. <laughs> Again, this is called a wealth of pigeons. And um, yeah, I, I'm trying to recommend as many funny and practical books as I can this year because I think that's what we need. Yeah, that, it, 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 I, and I think if you um, think about the theme and Lori will um, talk to us about her, last books that, you know, this idea, which sounds kind of cliched about how books can make such a huge difference. What I think is fun and I appreciate about all the books you've each brought up is so we can get to feed ourselves, we can get to amuse ourselves, we can get to provoke ourselves and uh, we can keep busy doing charming things like uh, making art. So uh, hopefully uh, people uh, that are listening will find something for everyone. And Laura, we'll close with you, darling. Okay, so I've got um, two. One will be really quick at the end, but this, this, uh, this last bigger book is called The Ocean Book. It's a Lonely Planet kids book, and it's got everything you could imagine um, about the ocean from shipwrecks to you know, the animals, the different um, polar, the Arctic polar, the ocean floor, the, you know, octopus, you know, and their their habitats, etc. cetera. Um, it's a beautiful book. There's great pictures. There's great facts. Um, it's something that, you know, that, that kid that you don't want to buy a book because you don't know what they like to read about, but you know they like to go to the beach and they like the ocean or, or I mean, this is great for, for that kid to be able to sit down and they will be occupied for hours. Um, but my last favorite book, and it is still my favorite book of the year, and last year when we did this podcast, I talked about The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse by Charlie Mackesy. And a year later, it is still one of my favorite books. It is it's gonna be on my list forever and ever. Um, this is a modern fable. It is about acceptance, love, friendship, and just getting through you know, different things. You could pick up any book, any page, open it, open it and look at the picture, read the caption and feel good. This book continues to sell every single week here at RJ Julia. And it's, if you missed it last year, don't miss it this year <laughs> and give it to everybody on your list because it'll bring joy to them, which is, well, yes, what we need. Laura, uh, thank you. I, I remember last year, like if you, um, it even came within six feet of Lori, and now you can't get closer to her than that. She would be putting this book in your hand, and that's right. You were, this was not selling ice to the Eskimos. People were like writing us heartfelt letters, thanking them, thanking us, or thanking Lori for letting them know about the book. And I'm pretty cynical about this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even cynical people like me thought, oh, all right, <laughs> you know, this is kind of working for me. I, I, I get the point about this. So, I, Lori, we've been talking with Lori Fazio and Andrew Brennan, both of RJ Joyas. We've had special guest uh, Jack Mankiewicz, who uh, this was his debut on the podcast. Well done, Jack. Um, and welcome. And hopefully, as I said a few minutes ago, you'll find something for everyone. I uh, would encourage you when you want to buy these books to please go to your local independent bookstore. Um, if you don't know your local independent bookstore, you can go to the ABA site and put in your zip code and find out. Uh, you can always come to RJ Joyas, but there's you know, great independence around the country that could certainly use the support, check out their websites um, and make sure these bookstores are all around um, next year as we go through uh, these next difficult months. So I'm excited about the books you all talked about, thank you. And um, to close out the episode, so, I realized um, as we were thinking about doing this 
episode that I've been, as I said up front, have been doing this podcast for almost four years, and there are close to 200 episodes, uh, which seems sort of shocking to me. And uh, the range of writers that I've had the honor and the pleasure to speak to has been um, some of the most um, satisfying times of my 30 years as a bookseller. And so I'm grateful that I've been able to do that. For those of you that are new listeners, you can find uh, the shows on Spotify or um, go to LitHub Radio or um, Apple, if that's where you're listening uh, to your podcast. So what we're going to do is, given that these are tricky times, I am going to take a break um, and pay attention to um, everything we need to do at RJ Julia's. Not that the uh, dozens of people uh, under Lori's leadership aren't doing a great job without me, uh, but it does seem like the right time to be paying attention. So we're going to take a break. You could go back and listen to some of these uh, earlier episodes, and then we'll be back uh, in the new year. I want to uh, wish everybody opportunity to take a moment and appreciate uh, the small things, uh, having little control over the big things these days, I think is reminding all of us uh, that there are small things uh, that we can pay attention to. And obviously, I wish you all um, good health and take care. And I'll see you in 2021, which we're going to believe is going to be a better year because it couldn't get worse. I don't think, than 2020. You've been listening to Just the Right Book with Roxanne Cody, brought to you by Lit Hub Radio. Produced by Roxanne Cody, Michael Selleck, Johnny Diamond, and Lit Hub Radio. Our editor is Justin Alvarez. The original theme music is by Kurt Feldman. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Roxanne Cody, and thank you so much for listening.